Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Breaking Down the Doors, which we subtitle Breaking Down the Scores, because this this is our second podcast of the week in terms of SEC. This is our SEC Picks edition. I'm Adam Sparks. I'm here with Tennessee and columnist Gentry Estes. And Tommy Dees, our sports director, is not with us today. Busy Thanksgiving uh, week. But we have his picks. I have my picks, which which will be correct. Gentry is here with his picks. We'll We'll see if how many of those are correct. I actually got some good games to pick this week. I yep. remember last week it was just just awful. Yeah, they were terrible. FCS well, this is rivalry opponents. week. I've, I've I've messed it up. I messed it up on our other Vandy podcast too. Rivalry week. Say that times five times fast, and you may be able to host a podcast. Uh, okay, so uh, we we pick games each week. We pick each of the SEC games, and then we also have a pick of the week, which can be SEC, non-SEC, anything in college football. Basically, the the game that we are uh, surest of. SEC picks, though, we were really good last week. Tommy D's went eight and one last week. He is in the lead, sixty four forty three and two. So he has twenty one games over five hundred. I also went eight and one last week. What, I am, what was the one? Do you know? I do not. I don't know. Do you? I don't. Well, I went six and three. So. Well, I was eight and one also. I don't know the one that I missed either. Yeah, I don't know. There wasn't many hard ones. Yeah, you were six and three. You were thirty nine and thirty one because you joined the picks a little later in the season. You were eight games over five hundred. I'm eleven games over five hundred. Fifty nine, forty eight, and two. And uh, I'm still the best at picks of the week, eight and four. Oh, I'm sorry, Tommy is eight and four on picks of the week. I'm eight and four on picks of the week. Gentry, you are three and six on picks of the week, and um, you're going to miss your one this week. But we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's jump into this Thursday Thanksgiving Egg Bowl, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a three and a half point favorite at home. Tommy D sees Mississippi State covering that at home. You and I have both picked Ole Miss as the as the underdog. What do you what do you see there? You know, I look back at this and this has been a weird series. I think the away team has won this game like four years in a row. Mm-hmm. I, I just got a hunch it's going to happen again. Mississippi State's not playing very well, and Ole Miss has seemed to improve. And this is one of those games that in September it would have been a lock to think Mississippi State by at home would win this game. But uh, the Egg Bowl is strange like that, and it tends to go off who's playing well at that time, and that has been the away team, and I actually think it will be again. Yeah, I could see Mississippi State winning by a field goal. At that point, Ole Miss would cover. I could also see Ole Miss winning this one outright. So I also picked Ole Miss. Ole Miss had a bye week last week, and this is an early game because a Thanksgiving Day game. So Mississippi State – playing five days after their last game. Ole Miss has had 12 days. That's that's fair concern, although I think Mississippi State played Abilene Christian. So so they barely played. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't imagine the starters were in at the end of the game. But, but no, it's a fair point, though, I, I to, to have to turn around and do it. You see NFL teams all the time have to turn around and play these Thursday night games, and they're usually terrible. Will you watch that, the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving? Do you all watch football? I mean, NFL, obviously, but will you watch the Egg Bowl? Yeah. I, this game hasn't always been on Thanksgiving, but when it is, it's it's a good, you know, like the rest of the country's not going to care about this game, but in SEC country, it's a good game to watch. I, the Egg Bowl, it's it's fun, you know, about every, I guess, 10 years they get in a brawl. I, I consider all football on <laughs> Thanksgiving. Right, that's right, yeah, It is, it is. <laughs> I consider all football games in my family, my extended family on Thanksgiving, as good background. 
we don't actively watch every play, but it's on, and you'll make a few comments. You'll watch the end of the game. It's good background. If that if if the Egg Bowl is what keeps my family from talking about politics, I'm all for it. Oh, really? Because we can, we can talk about Ole Miss football, and everybody's okay with that. Yeah. It's not going to be very controversial, so the, right, right on the Egg Bowl here. I always love the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving setups where if it is politics or if it's religion or one of these things you, right, you don't talk about, when it's like 90% on one side of something and 10% of the other, everybody has those glances across the dinner table like, no, don't say it. You know you know who's here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So oh, I, I always like those. So yeah, football can do that. Turkey and dressing, not turkey and stuffing. Turkey and dressing can do that. Do you do stuffing or dressing? No, dressing, definitely. Okay, good, yeah. If you're Southern. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so there's a game on Friday, which I think will be less entertaining, but who knows. Missouri is an 11.5-point favorite at Arkansas. Tommy D's, again, the contrarian says Arkansas is going to get that. Is going to keep it under 11.5. Missouri lost at Vandy. I mean, 11 and a half points. I can at least see that side of it, but Arkansas is so bad. Yes. And Missouri tends to – this is a sneaky rivalry here. They, they Both sides take this thing pretty serious. I will say, I think – I mean, Missouri's in a weird spot because this would be their sixth win, which most years would be bowl eligibility. But they've if I remember, they, they still have that bowl ban that they're waiting on word from. You almost think even if you get six wins, you just accept the bowl ban and then move on. I think yeah, they've been playing, yeah, with that – because who cares? Uh, understanding most of, yeah. Yeah. So, who knows so where So, this the, is essentially their bowl game, is what you could say. Yes. And the fact that it is a regional rivalry maybe means that. But you and I both think Missouri will cover that 11 and a half and then some. Saturday games, here's where some more of the rivalries come in. Clemson at South Carolina. Clemson is a 25 and a half point favorite. Tommy D says Clemson is that good and then some. You think the same. Clemson? Yeah, they're not going to ease up on South Carolina. Okay. Uh, they they don't. I know the game's in Columbia. I know South Carolina has a, a respectable enough defense to to maybe keep it closer than the 25-and-a-half. But, you know, there's some games that you could maybe say you won't get Clemson's best. This ain't one of them. And that's, that's, that sucks for South Carolina. But that's – on the contrary, I think you'll get South Carolina's best, which is why instead of a 30-point win for Clemson, I think this is a 17-point win or something like that. South Carolina, they're just not – they're not in a good way. It, it, the season didn't de- develop for them. They were better at the start of the year than I think they are now. Uh, not sure about Clemson, and that is a big number. That's one of those numbers that Carolina could get two garbage-time touchdowns and, and get under that pretty easily, but – yeah, I think a rivalry game is always weird because on one hand you could say it's going to be closer than what it says on paper because of the psychology of it. You're going to get their, your best. On the flip side, it could be a bigger number, a bigger margin because that team that that gets up is going to keep pouring it on in this game more than other games. So it really could go either way, I suppose, with the rivalries. Yeah. Um, going back to Missouri, I looked this up. Now, they are still waiting to hear results of their appeal. How are you still waiting the week of the last regular season game to get the answer to that? Yeah, that's dumb. 
That doesn't make any uh, sense. What, at what all. is the NCA going to learn now that they didn't know in in in, April, in August about this? Yeah, actually, we just saw this. Yeah, it's, that's going to make us reconsider. That's now. right. That's right. Yeah, that's, we, that's, we we worked through the night on Thanksgiving, and we came to a, a, we we changed our mind. They yeah. kind of have to tell them before Friday, right? You would think so. Yeah, that is insane. I don't does think it make the them NCA- wait all season just for an appeal. Here is the thing, though, I. I don't think this scenario ever happens at the NCAA office. I don't think there's ever a meeting that says, guys, listen, we owe it to fill-in-the-blank school, coach, player. We've got to just – we've got to burn the midnight oil tonight, and we've got to work, you know, 24-7, and we've got to do what's right for this school, this team, this coach, this family, whatever. I don't think, I don't think that happens. We could sit here and do three podcasts on why the NCAA is terrible. But that, to me, is always one of them. And you see it all the time with players trying to get through the clearinghouse and academics and making them wait week after week after week until they have no other options. Uh, yeah. The problems with the NCAA, I think, uh, in a lot of these things, I could compare to instant replay, video review. When you see the ref on the field or it's whoever's in the booth that's looking at a play for 15 minutes, that we can look at for two minutes and say, oh, okay, well, that's a catch. That's a fumble. That's, I saw it. I saw it three times, that, that, and I made my decision. That's what it is. And when it takes 15 minutes, the rest of the public can do in two minutes. The NCAA will take six months for something we could do in a weekend. Yeah, and they're not going to overturn the bowl ban, almost certainly. I mean, not this late. No, and then they're, they're not going to go back on their own decisions nine out of ten times anyway, and so – that's just silly. Let the, let the players know. That's that's ridiculous. Next one in rivalry week. I nearly get through that one. Georgia is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite at Georgia Tech. Again, I disagree with you guys. We're going to have some movement in the rankings this week one way or another. Tommy D says Georgia will cover that. You also say Georgia will cover that. I'm going with Georgia Tech. This to, is to stay under the twenty eight and a half. Why do you see Georgia pouring it on in this one? This is another one. Like we say, you could make the case that because it's a rivalry game, Georgia Tech's going to play their best. Or you could make the case that because it's a rivalry game, Georgia is going to get up and not ease up at all. And I think that's what's going to happen. Georgia Tech's pretty terrible, and they're not a very good team right now. They've, I think, they got a win over somebody, NC State, maybe recently. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so it, they're. You know, they're still a first-year coach. They don't run the option anymore. That was always the thing for Georgia is they always had to play the Paul Johnson option in this week. Right. And and that was the worst for Georgia because you got to prepare to stop this, get beat up, get cut block, get, you know, because you got you to practice against it by in full pads and hitting all week for Thanksgiving. Then you got to turn around and play this team, get ready on a holiday week to play it. Now you're all beat up, and you go play in the SEC championship game. So Georgia is pretty glad Paul Johnson's no longer at Georgia Tech for this reason because they got a pretty big game after this. You make case Georgia may be looking ahead. I just think Georgia Tech's not good enough to stay with Georgia. I think it's a it's a it's a route just just because of that. I think there's much better teams going to win big. Yeah, I went with Georgia Tech in this one basically as a math decision. Twenty eight and a half. If it was twenty seven and a half, I would maybe go Georgia. But I I don't know. I tend to think this is going to be like a. 38-13 type game. The The number's just slightly too big for me, so that's why I went Georgia Tech. I think, I think it's a, be about a, a 45-7 kind of game. I, I think Georgia has a history of really putting it on Georgia Tech when they can. Okay, so a game that you know pretty well from being up in the Bluegrass State. Louisville is at Kentucky. 
Kentucky is a three and a half point favorite. Tommy D's went the opposite direction of us. He, he's picking Louisville on the road. On the road as a three and a half point underdog. You and I both picked Kentucky. I'll be honest with you. I thought this line was small. I thought this line would be more like five or six, not three and a half. Uh, you know, this is a good game, and it's a it's a game that people didn't think was going to be a good game. Going into the season, I think everyone gave Kentucky the edge over Louisville. Louisville really, you know, going 2-10 and 10 last year, first-year head coach, they really weren't supposed to be any good. And they've, they've had a pretty good season. They're bowl eligible. They're they're respectable. They, they've they got an offense that can – it's pretty, pretty unique with Scott Satterfield with what he does. It's hard to stop. They run for a lot of yards. He's, he's got a good scheme. He's got people uh, – he's got the right people in the right places, and they're making plays. Their defense is the issue to me. Uh, I went with Kentucky here because I think Kentucky's a more complete team. I think Kentucky's defense is pretty good, and and I think they do enough offensively with uh, Lynn Bowden where Louisville's gonna Louisville's defense is gonna have a hard time slowing that down. Kentucky's getting pretty good at that. They they ran for all kinds of yards against Vandy. They ran for all kinds of yards this last week against UT Martin. I mean, something like four hundred something yards, and I, I just think Louisville lacks depth defensively and you knew that going into the season and you get late in the year like this and you're going to play a team that's going to run the ball play after play after play after play I think Kentucky's going to be able to control the game that way yeah I I agree with you they'll be able to control the game in terms of tempo long drives eat up clock um, physical game for all those reasons I think I think Kentucky is going to have the type of game that they want I think Louisville's going to be frustrated by the type of game that they're in that's why I think Kentucky wins this one maybe by about a touchdown at home. First-year head coaches, too, sometimes in rivalry games are not there, – there is value in having played these kind of games before, I think. Sometimes they overplay it. Sometimes they underplay it. Sometimes they don't have a feel for it. Uh, I agree with you. And yeah. even when he didn't have the better team, Mark Stoops did pretty well against Louisville. They beat the Lamar Jackson-Heisman team. The year Lamar Jackson won the Heisman, Kentucky went and came out of nowhere and came and beat them in Louisville that year. So Stoops has uh, done pretty well in this game. Alabama at Auburn, the Iron Bowl. I for sure will watch. Wait, no, I don't know if I watch that one. What time is that one? Is that? A, I don't think we're going to be able to watch. Uh, yeah, we'll be vain to UT. Yeah, Auburn at Alabama, or I'm sorry, Alabama at Auburn. Alabama is a four and a half point favorite. Tommy D's, our, our resident Alabama expert, is picking Alabama. As a four and a half point favorite, I feel good about that because Tommy is a resident Alabama um, expert. Because I'm taking Alabama also. Tommy usually knows the tide, and so I've, I've gone the same with his pick. You say Auburn because because they're at home. Is that why? Well, if Tua was healthy, I think that's a big part of it too. Is that Alabama's on their backup quarterback, and they're playing a very very good Auburn defense. And Auburn's a tough place to play anyway. I always felt like going into the season between Georgia and Alabama, one of those two was going to lose at Auburn. So I'm still going to stick with that. I picked Auburn against Georgia, and that didn't that didn't happen. But um, I just feel like Alabama's defense is not what it was. Clearly, you saw what LSU did. And I think Auburn, while they do have a younger quarterback and they've got an offense with some issues, I feel like they always tend to do enough to give Alabama's defense trouble. One of the few coaches in this league – that has consistently been able to beat Nick Saban uh, from time to time, I'd say consistently, but a coach that has has had some success against Saban when so few others have has been Gus Malzahn. I think some of that is the offense he uses, and 
I think with the game being at Auburn, with Tua being hurt, with Alabama's defense being banged up and not quite what they usually are, I think Auburn wins this game. Alabama sees a clearer path to the playoff now. You think that comes into play? I won't say a clear path to the playoff. There's n- that, that's not there, but the path is a little better than it was. I think the issue there is, I mean, yeah, maybe, but I don't think Alabama's a playoff team. I don't think they're one of the best four teams. And there have been other years where they weren't in the mix for it and they snuck in, but even then you still look at it and they're like, are they one of the four best teams? Yeah, yeah, they probably are. Uh, with the quarterback out, with the defense, I, I'm not sure Alabama's one of the four best teams. And I think that might get proven in this game because Auburn, Auburn's defense is for real. And If they beat Auburn by 14, don't you think you would change your mind? Maybe. I, I, I think this is a game where Alabama has to answer that question. There have been much better Alabama teams that have gone to Auburn and not won. Yeah. I'll put it that way. That's true. Texas A&M is at LSU. LSU is a 16-and-a-half point favorite. They've already locked up the SEC West. And for that reason, I think A&M keeps this one a little closer. I think this is maybe about a 14-point game. I don't know if LSU is really going to play poorly. I just think A&M is going to let it all hang out. I, I, I think Kellen Mond can do enough. I think LSU maybe will not have their best game, and I think this is a reasonable close game for three quarters, so I'm going to take A&M as a 16-and-a-half point favorite. Both of you guys, you and Tommy, both went with LSU. This was a tough one. I thought this was maybe the toughest on the list that we picked, and uh, I've underestimated A&M. They went and played Georgia pretty close this last weekend, and I think because of that – it's going to be hard to get up and play another playoff caliber team on the road the very next week. That's that's a pretty brutal schedule. Didn't they play Clemson this year too? Yes. Ooh, and Alabama. So I, you know, I just don't know if they're going to have enough left to to give LSU much of a fight in this game. I, Sixteen and a half for a team that can score the way LSU does just doesn't quite seem enough to me. Florida State at Florida. The Gators are a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. There have been years where this was an interesting game. That is not the case this year. No. We all picked the Gators. 16-and-a-half, uh, I would have taken maybe 20 points in this one and still gone with the Gators. I, I, think that's a, I think that line is a little lower than it should be. Florida is an optimistic program right now. Dan Mullen kind of has things in the right direction. Florida State is a there's pessimism in Tallahassee. They're they'll they're, have a, they're new, a mess. They're a yes, mess. there's nothing good. Florida State, I think, wants to end the season as fast as they can. I think Florida is feeling a lot better about the program. So I, I think Florida this, just runs away this with this game. Has forty two to nothing written all. I mean, like it. It really isn't. Yeah, I agree. Um, Tommy feels the same way. I don't know if that that big of a number, but sixteen and a half for sure. Uh, actually, I want to do picks of the week because I want to finish with Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Picks of the week. Tommy is taking Washington as a six and a half point favorite versus Washington State. I don't know how much more context he could add to that. I'm not going to add any, but he's going with Washington as a six and a half point favorite. All right. You have. Let's wait on. Oh, mine. that's right. Yeah, you're. You, you've got a double pick. Well, okay. Mine is. Uh, big Conference USA game. I've, I've done well with these. Charlotte is a eight and a half point favorite at Old Dominion. I don't understand why this is only eight and a half points because Will Healy coaches at Charlotte. And if you know anything about Will Healy, former Austin P coach, Will Healy is better than Bobby Wilder. 
Old Dominion coach. Now, everybody knows Bobby Wilder had a good year back in 2016. <laughs> that is not the, that, that's not the Old Dominion team that's playing right now. Old Dominion right now is 1 and 10. Charlotte is bowl eligible already. They're 6 and 5. Charlotte has the number one rushing offense in Conference USA. They average 210 rushing yards a game. Uh, Old, Old Dominion cannot move the ball. They are. S- Let's see, third worst, I believe, fourth worst. They're 128th in the country in total offense. Old Dominion's barely going to score. Charlotte's going to put up about 20, 21 points, and uh, Charlotte's going to win this one fairly easily. So I'm going to take Charlotte as an 8.5-point favorite at Old Dominion. So the big pick that we're waiting for here is also your pick of the week. We have the option to pick any game in college football, but we also have the option to double down and take an SEC game as our pick of the week. And that is what Gentry did. But before we get to that, Tommy Dees in the Vanderbilt at Tennessee game says Tennessee, as a he's taking Tennessee as a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, mind you, Vanderbilt has won three in a row. They've won five out of the last seven. It's Vandy's best string of games in the series since the 1920s. However, the common denominator of these last three wins is that Kyle Shermer absolutely lit up Tennessee's secondary. Kyle Shermer is now with the Kansas City Chiefs, and Vanderbilt has not found anybody that can do one-tenth of what Kyle Shermer did. So maybe that changes things. Tommy seems to think that UT is going to win this one in an absolute route. I was a little surprised that number was 21 and a half. I thought maybe it'd be 15, 17, but obviously Vegas thinks that Tennessee is going to jump up big and punch the gas, and this is going to be a vengeance-type score. Vandy, we're going to put you back in your place. And that's exactly what I think will happen. That's You think that's the emotion uh, well, behind it? Well, yeah. I mean, I think Vanderbilt will play hard, but I mean – I took Tennessee as my pick of the week here and in this game, and um, I just feel like I feel like it's a payback situation for Tennessee. Playing this game at home, they've beaten. I mean, you you look at they got a good win at Missouri, they got a good win over Kentucky at Kentucky, they beat up on South Carolina. If you're comparing the opponents here, this shouldn't be close. Uh, there's no reason to look at these two teams and think this game will be close. If if Vandy plays like they have in most of their SEC games, uh, Tennessee has the firepower to make this a 35-point win. If Vandy has, for example, at Florida, and a different quarterback, but still, they've had issues with all, all, all their quarterbacks. If they have a game like Florida, like what they were for at least half, three-quarters of the Kentucky game, where they're going three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, just over and over and over, and their time of possession is minuscule, um, UT will be able to put up 21 points in a quarter. And that's the, that's the situation that, that we're looking at if, if UT uh, covers this. I'm going with Vanderbilt. Now, Vandy is not going to win this game. In fact, I think the, the pick that I'm making this week in our uh, expert picks that we, that we do where we pick a score, I think 31-13, I think, was something, something like what I had, which is that's a, what, 18-point spread. I think Vandy is going to have enough, not a lot, but enough of Keyshawn Vaughn, enough of some gadget plays, 
enough of an early score. They have scored against just about everybody in the first quarter. Enough of Derek Mason slash Jason Tarver's defense to to keep this one reasonable. I'm not even going to say it's going to be close at a half or anything like that. UT may just jump up and then Vandy Vandy rallies or whatever. I don't know how this is going to go, but I, I think Vandy's going to keep it under that 21 and a half. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if what you guys are saying in Tennessee just rolls in this one. But Derek Mason, for whatever reason, he has gotten his defense to play better than what it has played the rest of the season in this game. You know, you always have players that play better in that rivalry game. I think Derek Mason has a better plan in this game. And it hasn't been a matchup because he's beaten three different coaches in this run. He's he's called his best game. I know Jason Tarver's technically still the play caller, but he has devised a better defense. It's been a better called game. He's just come up with more things that have worked defensively against Tennessee than he has most other opponents. I think for those reasons, Vandy will keep this a little closer than three touchdowns. Uh, Jarrett Garantano <clears throat> threw for more than 400 yards on Saturday night against Missouri. If Tennessee has a quarterback that is that can do that, Vanderbilt's in real trouble. Because yeah. Vanderbilt does not have that. No, and there's a there's a big question of if Vandy can do anything with Lipscomb and Pinckney like they did against ETSU. And I'm not so sure they can. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was ETSU. But maybe maybe they 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 took the top off of that can a little bit and said, okay, we figured out a way to get Jared Pinckney five or six targets. We've, I think there, there's also some truth to the fact that maybe over the years, Tennessee may not have been up for this game as much you know, as, as some of these other rivalry games we're talking about. N- not this time. Right. They're going to be ready to play. And and they've clearly had this one circled, you would have to think. This is – this will – this sets up to be a statement game for Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. And, and they've they've improved over the course of the season. And you just look at, at Vandy and you don't see a way they can hang in the game. Short of Tennessee hurting themselves, turning the ball over, helping them, uh, giving them short fields, letting them score that way. Uh, and, and even <laughs> – Kentucky did that. Kentucky – as offense gave up a touchdown early in that game, and Tennessee's and that Tennessee Kentucky game was close, but Tennessee won in Lexington, and and they were able to beat South Carolina by by a cup, by about three touchdowns. That that Vandy really wasn't that close in Columbia. That game could have been a lot worse. There's just I just don't. I've seen both teams, and I just don't see it. I don't see any way Vandy can hang in the game. Yeah, of all the outcomes of this game, a Vandy win would would shock me, at least surprise me. A Tennessee blowout win would not shock me at all. A a Tennessee win by a couple of scores would not surprise me very much. However, for that to happen, it has to be low scoring or in the twenties. But it, it, this this can't be a high scoring game because Vanderbilt cannot hang with UT in that type of game. And that's where I think Tennessee's different now than maybe they have been in previous years, and and they were even at the start of this season. Is their offense is capable, and uh, one of the best things Jeremy Pruitt did since he's been the coach there was hiring Jim Chaney away from Georgia. I, I have a lot of respect for Jim Chaney. I think he's a very good coordinator, and I think Garantano in particular, but their quarterbacks have played pretty well through October and November after a, a rough start, and their offense has continued to get better, and I just don't look at Vanderbilt and see a team that has improved in such a way, although their defense has gotten a little bit better but they still just they they 
they haven't shown the ability, other than the Missouri game, which, I, okay, that, that, that so we've seen it happen. But I, I just the rest of the time this has not been a team that's been competitive against SEC opponents. There's and Tennessee has proven to be better than a lot of the teams that have done that to Vandy. So we shall see. That does it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors, a.k.a. Breaking Down the Scores. Uh, we hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to su- subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Gentry Estes, I'm Adam Sparks. Happy Turkey Day this week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>